Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. Uh, my name is Ryan Gerard, and I'm here, as always, with Rick Grunewald. Yep, that's right. How's it going, Ryan? Uh, it's going pretty well, actually. Really well. Um, we're back. Uh, it's been a little bit, not too long, to be honest. No, maybe uh, 10 days or something like that. Yeah, we're back in the podcast studio, if you will. That's right. Uh, AKA my living room. Same as always, and it's still pretty great, you know? Yeah. Podcast studio number one. Talking, just talking bikes. Talking bikes. Well, Which, I mean, not much biking's been going on with the whole COVID thing, but I yeah, mean, we've yeah. been, we've picked up um, BMXing. I've still been going on with my. Ironman training, which has been going really well. We'll talk mm. about that later. You know, I was thinking about this today, Ryan, thinking about how our podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, how our topics have changed from maybe the first year we were doing it to last summer. All we were talking about was crit racing and local races and stuff like that. You know, fast forward, you know, a year, and now we're talking about completely different kinds of bike racing. We really, truly are all bike races weekly. Yeah, you know, it, it's crazy how. I think when I, like after my first one or two seasons um, of biking, I think my first, and I feel like a lot of people have this like epiphany when I was like a cat four or five and I had a really good year. I was Wait, winning all we, these races. Can we just pause really sec, really quick and, and remember how awesome it was to be a cat four? Yeah. How great life was. How I feel easy. like everybody is so keen to upgrade right away. They don't realize how good they have it. Dude, like cat, you, cat four life. Yeah. You get good at <laughs> racing cat four. And you're like, I must be, I should probably should yeah. be a cat one right now. You think like, oh, I won my first cat four race in like three months. Well, it's only going to take like another like couple months to win my first cat three race. And then I'm basically a pro. That is no matter who you are, the mindset. Like when I was a cat four, I actually had like this whole idea that like I was going to go to college. Then like I was going to transfer to like an actual cycling college for my master's and like race a's and stuff and then try to go pro and like move out to like colorado or california like obviously you win a couple cat four races and that i'm, I'm you, i do I, the same thing i do know, the same thing it's yeah. it's crazy like that it sounds ridiculous mm-hmm. which it is kind of ridiculous yeah but that that was like honestly the mindset i was in after like one good cat four season you know it's just hard to not have that mindset though because i'll tell you what, what this, the best year of cycling or the best years of cycling are like maybe the first two where like no matter what you do you get better and it's not like oh you get a little bit better and then you kind of like got to turn it down a little bit and then you you know like kind of hit that new plateau no it's like you're just like constantly getting better the first like maybe two yeah. years of cycling it's like you, you can just do like whatever you pretty much wanted to intervals just ride a lot whatever you just get faster it's it's wonderful yeah i feel like then you hit that point of like going up and that realization like oh everyone here was as good as i was as a cat four and then you remember who you were beating as a cat four yeah and it was like a lot of masters riders a lot of out of shape guys a lot of freds a lot of freds a lot of people that thought it was kind of be kind of like a grand fondo yeah like a, a crit race um, but those wins still felt good though. Mm-hmm. You did like, you kind of looking back, you remember that, but when you were winning those races, it's like, damn, like I'm, I'm fit. Like I'm, yeah. I'm here. I'm, I'm ready. Like, let's go. I think the next realization when I became like a pretty good cat three 
was the realization of like how hard it was to win against other good cat threes. Yeah. And you you had a good yeah. like season of cat three racing. I mean, mul- I guess multiple of them, but last year, you know, you upgraded to the cat two from a cat three because you got a couple wins and some like really good podiums. Yeah, I did really well. But also too, when I got that, like when I was thinking about, oh, I could upgrade. Yeah. The thing was, it was like, I was working really hard to win those <laughs> cat three races. Yeah. And then I was kind of going into it with the knowledge of, so when there's three or four really good guys in cat threes, and it's essentially you're racing three or four other guys. Right. Um, and then the realization of, well, when I go to cat two, it's going to be 50 of those three or four other guys. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of people make it to cat three and get like kind of stuck, essentially, like yeah. to where either it's going to take a couple of years to get to the next level. And I think the mistake people also make, too, is they they think that they're going from category to category. They need to train more from category to category. So I think that's when a lot of people get burnt out. Because they go from a cat four to a cat three and they try to double their training volume and then they're getting slower because they're getting tired and yeah. really burnt out when really all they had to do was maybe increase it by like five or 10% and they probably would have been to that next level. Like, honestly, I think, I think the difference, so let's say, what do you think like an average, call it a cat three trains a week? Um, you let's, know, I think, I think it's actually like relatively in, high. Let's just say outside. Because I think inside and outside are completely different. I would say at least at least ten hours. Ten hours for a cat three. Okay, call it seven hours indoors. Yeah, I think some guys are like doing the what you did. You probably trained some of. You probably had the lowest training volume. I do with the best results when in at least locally for us. You know, you probably averaged what between about like last year seven to eight hours average, and then. You got some really good results, and I I know some of the guys that you're racing were rate like training upwards of 15 or more hours for sure. Yeah, I mean I, I just didn't do junk miles. That was yeah. really the only difference. I think too, it's just getting burnt out. Like yeah. I think it's hard to like you know you know when you train too much and you really f yourself, you're like I can't get out of bed, and you you're like okay I definitely can't train that much. But even if you turn that down a little bit. And it's like you can get your workouts done and you like you have good rides and stuff, but you're just kind of tired all the time. That's still probably too much for most people. I don't think people like absorb most of that training. Even like a cat three with a busy life, probably not many of those people can absorb like 12 hard hours of training a week. Another thing too that on top of like the getting burnt out mm-hmm. is at least for me, like when I do try to like ride outside a lot. I mean, I do the same like few roads over mm-hmm. and over and over again, and after a while, like you just get so tired of like the same scenery and stuff. And then like you're coming home from work, and you're just like, I gotta do two hours again today outside. Well, that's the thing too. You really gotta like the training. I think that's yeah. for, that's for anything. And I guess that anything for me, do. like when when I come home and like jump on the trainer. First mm-hmm. off, I never like during the winter, I don't even notice it getting dark out. Yeah. You know, because I'm like in my workout studio. Yeah. And then also too, like I, I choose my entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, I throw on like TV or movies or some stuff like that. So two hours now ju- doesn't really become that big of a deal. Yeah. And also too, like there's no prep. Everything's already prepped for you every day. Yeah. It's set up. It's really easy to go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I feel like we went on a tangent there. Yeah. I don't, I don't know but where we were. We were talking about that. cat threes, how, how much they train. 
Yeah. And then I was going to say, so we said about 10 hours. Yeah, like 10 hours. Yeah. I don't think... So if you're already doing 10 hours, so maybe like adding two more hours a week. But honestly, I don't think that's realistic. I think Mm -hmm. the difference, if you're already doing 10 hours, Mm -hmm. is being a lot more specific with those 10 hours. Yeah. Or, and so there's there's that side of things. It's like, if you want to be really specific... Or I'm I'm a big fan of you should do what you like. There's some people I know that like will forego what they really like to do, which is more either more racing or more group rides because it doesn't like fit into their training yeah. plan. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of if that's what keeps you excited mm-hmm. and interested in riding your bike, that should be like the cornerstone of your training plan is like your weekly or your biweekly group ride as your hard rides. Maybe it's not the most structured thing, but if you enjoy it, I mean you know, if you want to get better, you can always drop that. But I feel like I've talked to a lot of people that kind of went that way and they kind of like forgot why they really liked riding that much because they stopped doing the parts that they really liked. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that because I think um, at 10 hours, I mean, you, you can do it one of two ways is you either do like two hours a day for five days a week to mm-hmm. take two days off. Yeah. Or the other way, which I kind of think is the worst way to do it is do like one hour ride on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, and then do like four hour rides on Saturday and Sunday. Mm. See, that's, that's used to be what I did though. I did. See, uh, I think that's crazy. I, to me. I would do hour to hour and a half rides. And that, that's crazy because that's really when I liked training the most oh. is because I would do these shorter, more like focused rides during the week. And then on the weekend is when I would do, I would ride to a group ride and then do that ride and ride home. So that would be between three to four, four and a half hours. And then I would do a long ride the following day for like three or four hours. That was probably when I was training the most, but that's also what I really liked. Those are like my two favorite things were hard group rides and kind of long, just chill rides. So that's what kept it interesting for me. And once I kind of got away from that, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much anymore. Oh, but going, I, I guess mean, that, yeah, I, I guess that goes back to like, do what, do what you, you like know, to do. Ex- yeah. yeah. For me, it's got to like fit into your life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, like, I guess it's just my perspective on it is like, I like to like during the weeks, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like dialed. Like that's like the time oh, yeah. I work, get all my stuff done. And it's like, cause I, I don't feel at rest during the week. Yeah. And then the weekends, I like to, that's like when I'm at rest. Right. That's actually like, with the for me, it's the hardest to work out on the weekends mm-hmm. uh, because like, I feel like my mindset's in that re- relaxation state. Sure. Yeah. So I try to keep my weekends lighter and then mm-hmm. a lot of recovery. Yeah. But my weeks heavier because I'm, I feel like a, l- a little bit more dialed in. So yeah. I do more like the two hour rides throughout the week and then rest the weekends yeah absolutely i mean that seems like it works well for you so like more power to you i mean if that's how yeah that's mm-hmm. how it works i don't even really remember how we kind of got on this whole tangent. we were talking about the difference or i i was going to get on to the difference between going from like a cat three to a cat two. Oh yeah which and is how a lot of people done, get right? burnt out that's i feel like oh, that's, that's the spot where, where people get burnt out because yeah. they think i have to go from 10 hours to 15 to 18 hours Mm-hmm. They try to do like three months of that, and they, I feel like a lot of people do have really good seasons. Yeah, but I feel like I stop seeing people after that season. I I agree with that. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of my question to you because 
you got to that point where you had like a really great season, super focused, very consistent training. You did a good amount of racing. Are we talking about this year or last year? Uh, 2019. 2019, for you. okay. Yeah, so like great all around, like great season. Uh, but then going forward, you kind of started to transition into getting into like triathlon and trying something new. So was your transition there, do you think partially is that because you – got to that point you're in that burnt you were in that burnt out category or for you is it because you're just kind of looking at something new and you've always kind of wanted to try the triathlon thing i actually was at probably like my most motivation this year oh to like, come into this year yeah, coming into this because your original plan was to do a full season of kurt racing in 2020 yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was actually really excited because I, I had like my fitness was good, like mm-hmm. it was really getting there, mm-hmm. and I was, and then I had these big goals. Like I was, I was really motivated this yeah, year. Yeah, that's a good I was point. Excited. Yeah, um, the reason why I wanted to transfer into triathlon was that was your because, plan for twenty twenty one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it was kind of like I feel like this year I am hitting my peak. Mm-hmm. In order to get better. I either have to uh, keep doing this, which is like quite a bit, or I have to do more, which mm. I don't think I could do. And I think long term, it's it's hard to physically and mentally sustain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless you are trying to like go all in on that. I mean, yeah. I feel like uh, if if I was twenty years old mm-hmm. and I had the time and stuff to do it right now, I think I would be a lot more in. Yeah, or even in. if you were just single, like just if I was like single too, ba- living the bachelor life yeah. with zero commitments, it's like it'd be very yeah, different. Easy to train twenty hours a week. <laughs> yeah. So um, the transition to triathlon was just like I had the whole realization of like let's go out when I'm on top kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like let's enjoy this and put like great work in. Yeah. Like I was super excited, but also part of that was knowing that there was kind of like an end point and that I could put everything out there. Yeah. And if like it didn't work out, it was like, okay, whatever, you know, I put everything into this. Sure. Sure. Um, but the excitement of knowing that there is like a new thing for me, mm-hmm. you know, of, like like how much like learning and stuff that I've been doing in like the past few months just all around triathlon is like super exciting for me. Yeah. So I th- I feel like that's kind of very new. Yeah, the whole new thing. There's so yeah. much that goes into triathlon that like I'm just like consuming like so much like uh information information and you're playing with things. I actually had um I had, I've known a couple people, but even one of uh one of the people that I work with uh did the Ironman one year and he he was not like he didn't really come from like a triathlon background. Like he was obviously the athletic guy, but he loved the idea that because he's a he was a tinkerer. So like you could put out like in spreadsheets all of your training and your nutrition and your um, you know bike setup and all these different things and start to play with all these variables to try to optimize your performance. Because at the end of the day, there's so many facets to that race, and you can play with everything in infinitely, right? Infinitely, did I say that? Yeah, right? yeah. I I think that's it. Really, it. I mean, when it comes to crit racing, at least, um, there's a lot less of that. There is that. I mean, you know, crit um, racing is the game. It's all about the game. It's it's, it's really yeah. That's exactly what yeah. it is. There's really two aspects to crit racing. You gotta get fit and you gotta race. Yeah. There's not much else. I mean, See, you could argue that like aerodynamics does not matter nearly as yeah. much in crit racing as it does in like um, triathlon, yeah. where I am constantly micro adjusting my 
arrow position to just yeah. fully optimize my power output and like my arrow positioning. Yeah. And it's it's like it's so different. Like I was telling you right before we started podcasting, I did my first um, legit outside ride on my aero bars and yeah. like I was blown away like I'm going 25 miles per hour mm-hmm. and I'm just like cruising along where like at the same rate I'd be going about 18 yeah so like it's 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 just so exciting absolutely like, all, the, all this right. these little things you said something really interesting before too about crit racing which is I think in general what we talk about a lot on this podcast but you gotta do two things right you gotta get fit and you gotta race and that second one was really interesting because I feel like that is part of the reason why I started not burnout's not the right word, but I think that's part of the reason why I just stopped, started to get a little bit negative on, um, you know, putting all of my time into training for, for crit racing or road racing specifically is because there were just, since we started racing, there were fewer and fewer races every single year. Mm -hmm. I think I had, um, so the first year that I really got into racing was 2016. And the big race of the year for us is the Tour of America's Dairyland. We've talked a lot about that on the podcast. Such a great race. It's our favorite race of the year, hands down, very fun. And I remember that year in like 2016, I think I managed to get 20 race starts because I raced everything. I raced all of the weekends, but I was able to get 20 race starts before the start of that race. And I came into that race feeling awesome because i i just i'm a firm believer that racing is always the best training 100 percent. there was one season i think i had like from the like through well you raced college too, yeah right with yep. racing college crit racing and it was just crit racing uh a few road races and mountain biking yeah. i didn't do cycle cross at the time i think mm-hmm. i got 35 races in yeah here. that's awesome and and i think Something that we share is that we ride our bikes to race them. Yeah. Like that's, I'm a racer, you're a racer. Like go out on a ride and it's kind of nice and you like look around. But dude, I, I would pick a race over any type of ride any day. Like it's, that's what's fun to us, I think. And I was actually thinking about this today with triathlon. Like mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing about triathlon is there are races every weekend. Saturday, yeah, Sunday, yeah, every single wild. weekend, almost throughout the entire year in Wisconsin. It's right. crazy yeah. how many triathlons there are, mm-hmm. where it's just like, if I have nothing going on in a weekend, I could literally sign up for a triathlon and like yeah. try to win. Well, and, and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but we've recently gone into BMX racing too. And for BMX racing, I could race three days a week if I'm willing to drive an hour and a half round trip. And there's a race that's 15 minutes away from us at least, well, before everything kind of shut down again. Which it should open up here in about three weeks. Yeah, so it will be. But if we wanted to race locally, there's a race two days a week, 15 minutes away. Plus practice. Plus practices, which are essentially mini race simulations. Yeah. So it's, you know, I I, kind of had this like wild idea for a little while that, um, because, you know, as, as we get older, we just get like more and more things on our calendar. And I thought it would be really cool in 2021 to really try to go after it for crit racing and just do as many races as possible. Do the big races that we kind of always like have talked about, like Tulsa, uh, Snake Alley is another one. Even with this whole remote working situation, I thought it would be cool. Like, what if we went down for like speed week for like a week? Um, And then, you know, obviously Toad and Intelligentsia. Um, But the thing that's different about that is that those are like the big, big races and all of the big, big races are also really cool races, but they're also pretty expensive races. Um, so it's, you know, it's like I'd love to do 30 crit races, but 
in one season. But for that to be a reality, it's almost like I have to drive all around the United States multiple plus, times a year. Plus 60, because, you know, registration 60 bucks for each one. Yeah, they're not times cheap. 30, times that's 30. like $1,800 Yeah, to race like 30, 30 races. big races. 30 big races, yeah. yeah. It's cool. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a Kickstarter going, send Rick to all these races, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll do a podcast on all of them. Well, that's kind of what the bummer is with um, – like how a lot of the races, the local races have been just disappearing mm-hmm. of, you know, like that's like really the backbone of racing in the U S yeah. and I think kind of a reason why at least I give so much uh, criticism to USA cycling mm-hmm. because like, it's kind of just all just going away yeah. and it doesn't seem like there's anything in, in, place to be like how do we rebuild you know like all, uh, yeah, I, all usa cycling seems to really care about is the olympic team yeah but they don't care about your i don't call it mom and pop races mom and pop races but that's where people learn how to race yeah i think um actually justin william even said like uh something very similar it's like oh stop yeah. stop investing in the olympic program instead like start investing in like programs to just give kids bikes yeah that's actually what they did uh jens void in his book he talks about when he was in school that's what the government did is they said Mm -hmm. like anyone that wants to join like your school cycling team will give you a free bike and he's just like they said they'd give me a free bike so of course i did it it's just like that's what started everything for him yeah free bike one and you think about usa cycling as well too and um, all of the different initiatives they put out and programs they set up, you know, but at the end of the day, the main barrier to there being people interested in racing is one of two things. It's the number of races and the cost to race. Now, I think most people would probably look at $25 for a race as reasonable. Like that's, that's acceptable, but you know, I, it's just insane to me how it's impossible to make a dime off of local races. You know, basically, like when we would go to the um, the brazen practice crits in, uh, what was that? I think it was in like Oregon, Oregon, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Um, I'm pretty sure they lost money every single week they put that on. Absolutely. But it was just a cool thing that the club did. And like otherwise, there was literally almost zero road racing in Madison. And it's just insane to me the amount of money that it takes to put on a crit, which is just, it's a bike race around a city block with, you know, the block closed off or whatever. And I think there's not enough like brain power being channeled through USA cycling to be like, listen, if we have 40 races a season locally versus five races a season locally, that is a way better scenario where people can actually get into racing and they can learn how to race and they can show up every week and people are excited about it rather than five races a season and people try it once and they have very little chance to actually give it a go again so i don't know what the answer is i mean that's really hard right because it's there's a bunch of different reasons why it's expensive it's the insurance it's the municipalities that make you hire police officers for triple overtime on the weekend it's i'm sure usa cycling staff officials aren't cheap to have there um so yeah, it's I don't know, it's it's a hard puzzle to solve, but well, I, think, I think like an answer to that is like you know the officials like everyone pays in you know the eighty dollars or whatever for USA Cycling that should go towards officials. 
So like at the at the beginning of the year, you tell them like you get this much per like thing or whatever, and then USA Cycling pays them, not the race. Hmm. You know? Okay. I think th- I think that would be tougher for USA Cycling, but again, like reallocating money for local races, like that is a hu- that is actually a huge part of um, like the cost is like those those um, officials. Oh yeah, huge 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 cost. cost. I, I was kind of like playing around with this idea too, because when you have the officials at like local races, you obviously have the big benefit of um, timing and scoring, and everybody is placed with 100% accuracy from first place to 50th place, right? But what if USA Cycling, so you know how, you know, for a lot of things that you can buy, there's the gold package, there's the, the silver package, and there's the bronze package. So, you know, a race like Tulsa Tough, a race like um, Gateway Cup, Tour of America's Dairyland, they're always going to have the gold package, right? They got a ton of people showing up. They're paying premium dollars for those races. They need to have well-staffed officials there, right? But why do you need to have the same level for the local crit that's basically just trying to get people out there interested in bike racing? Do you really need timing like the 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 score cam or the you know like the whatever hundred like I don't know what they're called the the photo finish like do you need to score everybody down mm-hmm. to like thirtieth place maybe there's like an alternative option where it's like having just three you, you people just, that watch it and yeah it's a two out of three yeah like who who won you you host the event you know they do their you have a couple volunteers do their best doing the, the timing I and mean, scoring God forbid you just have like two people on each side of the line with an iPhone. Does anybody really care to go back to their family when they ask, oh, how do they did? And they weren't sure exactly if they got 30th place or 20th place. Right? No, I don't think so. An yeah. iPhone, like an iPhone could pick up who won a race. If you have two oh, yeah. people just on opposite sides right. of the line, you're going to get both sides. Right. And I, I'm, and it's going to be easy enough to tell. Again, yeah. You know, if, if it comes down to it, do like... I Actually, saw, they did this at Tour of America's Dairyland once because yeah. two people literally cr- cr- crossed the line at the same time. Their times were exactly the same. Yeah, which, did, is, which is wild. It's the like, thousandth of a second. Like, I, never been that close before. I, yeah, like this may have never happened before. Yeah. Um, but they did a one-lap race. Yeah. And it's like, there you go. That's your tiebreaker. If right. it, like if it's really like no clue, do that. Yeah, and again, this is like for your local your local race, which like you know, which is also silly too because they do like I'm putting air quotes up points for like the local series, but nobody cares about those races. Everybody knows what races are important and what races people pay attention to. They're the they're the big races, yeah. right? So like save it for the big races. And maybe this was different twenty years ago when. Or 30 years ago, even when you when at, on a given race weekend you had like you know average field size of size of 75 guys and you're, they're all paying registration. Just 10 fees. years ago, I mean it was like that. Yeah. So and you know maybe it was different back then, right? Where okay, well we got a lot of people here every single weekend. You know people want to know they're all paying money. We'll give them a good experience. But it's just changed a lot. It's really become polarized. Where you have on one side the parking lot crit. And on the other side, Tulsa Tough, which is a crazy event. So, like, I think they just need to they need to understand that we got to polarize the model of racing and figure out what's give more flexibility to the promoters and people that put on races mm-hmm. and just make it cheaper and make it more of like a a weekend hangout where you're, yeah, I guess there's a bike race. I think there that. is something to like the um, 
don't know, called it gold, silver, bronze yeah, packages. Package it, right. Exactly. Like bronze being just like you're pretty much doing it all on your own. Doing it all you on your own. You need the insurance, the of course. The insurance is what's besides important. that, you don't need anything. Whatever you guys do, you guys do. Just email us the results. Yeah. Like, I think we looked into it a little bit. Like, because we, I think we had just this random idea of like doing a race a while back. And like, it costs a lot of money to do a race. You got to like negotiate with the local organization on when to like have your race. You can't just like plop it on the calendar unless you want to be completely off of the grid, essentially. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to like just being, having it easy for like a couple guys or a couple girls or whatever to like be like, yeah, we're going to do a race this weekend and like just plan it and it should be super easy. All right. So, um, I'm going to steer this You can steer just it. to something new. I feel like we've talked about we've that a good beat amount. That, beat that horse pretty dead. Um, be a mexing. Um, yeah. I want to hear from you what... How how has it been going for you? Because I feel like you're like really all in on BMX right now. You're kind of mentioning a few things, um, including like clipless pedals, yeah, uh, versus yeah. flats, um, different different tracks that you've been on. Yeah. So um, what you what you've been really working on? What you think you're gonna kind of work on going forward? Mm-hmm. Hi, Anna. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, with the BMX thing, it's been really fun. It was actually, I think, initially your idea to get the bikes because we were doing dirt jumping with our mountain bikes, and we were like, we can't do this. We're going to break our nice cross-country yep. mountain bikes. Um, so, yeah, we got the cruiser bikes, and I've, I've just, like, thoroughly enjoyed getting into BMX. It's something that's a lot different. I, I come from, like, a motocross background, so a lot of the jumping and pumping is kind of intuitive for me. So I've just really, really enjoyed it. And kind of getting back to what we were talking about before, it's like you got to really enjoy the training that you're doing. And I really, right now at least, I'm like really enjoying like going to the track, doing practice laps, doing practice starts, doing sprints and stuff like that. So it's just something that's really new and that I really like to do currently. And also too, the, the volume of racing is pretty crazy. Like we just started doing it and I've already done like four races in the past like two weeks maybe. So just to have that option has been really nice. Um, we have our local track, which is Madtown BMX, which is like 15 minutes from us, which that's awesome. And that's like a really nice, It's I mean, that was the first track that we rode at. Pretty nice, pretty smooth, pretty mellow in terms of features. And then uh, yesterday, actually, uh, your brother Matt and I went to uh, Rockford BMX just south of the border in Illinois. And that was a very different track. It was a very high level track. They use it for the Midwest National. It is all the jumps were a lot steeper. The rollers were a lot bigger and steeper as well too. So stuff like jumping and manualing was a lot more technical. And overall, the track was uh, a decent amount bumpier as well too, just because um, I think they just have so many more riders that are on that track. Yeah, I know at Madtown um, just this year. I don't know if they did it last year. I know they mentioned it because they're really proud of it this year. They glued the track. Oh, which makes it like almost like a hybrid of between dirt and cement. Yeah, like it packs the top layer really hard. It is. So, so I wonder if that's kind of the difference, and that's kind of what it does. Is it because it won't break like that? Yeah, and it was so noticeable between the two tracks. So because we're just starting out, um, like none of us are using clips right now. We're all riding with just uh, tennis shoes on flat pedals because we're kind of learning still. Um, but on Mad in Madtown, that's totally fine. Like I never have an issue with that. But going to Rockford, the track is so much bumpier that I actually felt like my feet were going to like but like jump off the pedals just because the the track was yeah it was just so much bumpier. 
Um, and that's another thing too, I think. So like, I've really enjoyed doing that. And it's interesting cause I'm kind of figuring out like what the training is for BMX. So like, as it's compared to some of the other cycling disciplines that we've tried and it is extremely heavy on the side of getting your sprint good. So most of the strategy in BMX is getting to the first corner first, because then you have an open track, you can take the fastest lines and it's very hard to catch people in the rhythm sections because unless you're doing something wildly different in the rhythm sections, everybody, most people are kind of doing um, at the same skill level are doing the same thing essentially. So it's all about like sprinting and snapping off the gate and then getting to the first corner and then just, you know, essentially executing all of your, your jumps and your uh, rollers and your manuals correctly. So that's been pretty interesting, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely thinking about like the training there. um, I'm definitely like, way too light right now to be like really really fast yeah it's well you know you've got like kids that are doing it that are obviously like smaller but for the last couple of races that i've lined up with i'm always like the smallest person on the gate for sure and generally and i, I don't have clips right now too so when you have clips you can not only can you push down but you can also pull up on the back on, on the opposite crank right away so when i they think get, that's the biggest difference yeah so when the gate goes down I right away I'm like half a bike behind everybody else that has clips on the gate and then since I'm a lot lighter all the starts you start on a starting ramp so the gate goes up you balance your front tire on the gate and then the gate drops and you're going downhill immediately so if somebody is 20 pounds heavier than me they're just going to go downhill faster you know what I mean so I think that's I, I'm really enjoying BMX. I want to try to get better at it for sure. I think that's like kind of my focus right now, um, especially because that's the only thing that's pretty much racing right now. Uh, so I think I need to start hitting the gym and uh, maybe put on a little bit of mass. Doing and actually, I, I wanted to run this by you. I had this thought because um, I'm going to I'm gonna keep crit racing. You know, like I'm still going to do that. And I, I think you probably will too here and there, right? Yeah. Between tri training. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wonder w- if the doing the bmx is going to help my crit racing going in and absolutely year. for crit racing absolutely. because something that I've, I've always struggled with with crit racing and actually i was thinking about this too um because we've tried doing similar training methods before um for example like sweet spot sweet spot worked awesome for you like in your ftp just like went through the roof mm-hmm. uh and you were that's st- where i had my biggest gains yeah sweet spot and you were still able to like sprint really well in races um on the flip side sweet spot never really worked that well for me and i tended to i felt like i always lost too much snap to be really good in in crit races and i was thinking about this because you generally have a lot more muscle mass than i do so you're you're not you've never been like way heavier than i have but you've usually been about 10 to 15 pounds heavier than me and pretty much all of that is made up in muscle yeah and especially too when um earlier this year when i was racing for uh training for crit racing i was mm. trying to be 165 pounds yeah. so i was actively trying to gain gain, away. gain some mass yeah yeah and and thinking back about that i've never been a super big guy i've always like whenever i'm like really into racing i usually dip below the 140s into like the high 130s uh and i think my my generally my limiter is like anaerobic power like snapping really hard out of corners and then the finishing sprint as well because i've always had good endurance like getting to the end of the race is never the problem for me. It's just always been those uh, super high powered efforts. 
Uh, it's I, the high. It's the high end power, and that's yeah. exactly why I wanted more mass. Yeah, was because in crit racing, for those of you who don't know, um, it's re- it's typically relatively flat. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit of a hill. You know, it's not very enough rare. To make a difference though, not enough yeah. to really make a difference. Yeah. Um, but what's going to be better for you is the high power. The high, mm-hmm. uh, how high can you hit? You know. Yeah. So if you're lighter. You know, you might have a really good power to weight, but you might your FTP might be three hundred. Yeah, and when, when I'm, you know, like a few pounds heavier than you, and my FTP is three fifty, like exactly. it's going to be hard for you to keep up. Even though you might have a better power to weight than me, I'm mm-hmm. just putting out so much more raw power that uh, it on a flat road, raw power is going to beat power to weight. Yeah, a hundred percent. So that's what my general thought is: is okay. Well, I'll spend probably the year doing a lot of BMX racing, working on my strength and like probably getting in the gym a lot more too now and just like doing some more lifting to try to put on some mass. Um, And then as to also stay in shape, like doing some some endurance work on the road bike as well. Cause I feel like you could take that too far and just only do strength work and only do like sprint work on the BMX bike. And then all of a sudden you've got an awesome sprint but you can't last 10 minutes into a crit because mm-hmm. you just don't have any fitness. So I think my goal is to put on the muscle mass, get bigger, get snappier, all while maintaining my endurance. So that's kind of like my focus, I think, with with the BMX. And then hopefully that will help my crit racing going into next year. I think year. it will. I mean, Mark Cavendish is famously known for starting out in BMX and oh, track. Yeah. And it's all very, that kind of all led to him having a very successful sprint career yeah well and a lot of it too a lot of sprinters actually come from bmx yeah and and because the you go from the start of the race which is like downhill and really hard so you're kind of like cranking you can't have too big of a gear on the bike because if the gear is too big you won't be able to get out of the gate fast enough so when you're accelerating around a bmx track your cadence is so high it is really really high because that's how you generate that's the only way to generate speed um, while being able to actually snap out of the gate. So yeah, I'm interested to see how that's going to go. All right. I think uh, we're at 38 minutes, so I think that's a good stopping point unless you had anything else. I think we're ready to wrap it up. Everybody can find us on your favorite social channels at bike underscore race underscore weekly or bike race weekly on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, send us a follow uh we'll try to be pumping out another episode pretty soon and just uh ryan's gonna keep training for tries i'm gonna keep doing the bmx thing we'll do a little crossover here and there but you know just uh uh taking advantage of a, a i should year say no too racing. i'm also racing bmx but um i do it like once a week That's, you, you I, as like a tr- cross yeah, training for i gotta fun. do it for fun yeah you do it for fun yeah. yeah whereas like i'm not really i'm not uh racing anything else right now so it's kind of like it's my main thing pretty much it went mm-hmm. from being like oh, i'll try this out to like oh i really like this so i'm gonna do this so yeah all right well uh i think we're ready to wrap it up then all right thanks everyone for listening yeah catch you later